Hi guys, hope everyone's well and welcome back to the Improvement Podcast. So in this episode, I'm going to touch on what all effective programs involve. The reason why I'm creating this episode is many training styles work, which has been proven time and time again. Not everyone trains the same, but a lot of people have built pretty decent amounts of muscles, to say the least. And like all training styles have their differences. They have uh, their potential pros and cons. And obviously... A big part of what training style you use is what you enjoy because if you enjoy something you're going to put more effort in it you're going to stick to it long term so that's something very important however all share some similarities and fundamentals all the ones that i'd say on paper are the most effective okay, so i'm going to go over what basically makes a training split or a training program effective and the reason being is this will allow you to then regardless if you like training the same way as i do just make sure you've got the fundamentals in place that's important when it comes to programming uh because these are like the like the the, the base things that it needs to in, include if you're wanting to maximize your progress so in terms of the first thing i'm going to touch on it needs a progressive stimulus so stimulus just meaning a stress on the target muscle and you need to have one that's progressible over time because if you don't have a stimulus that you can progress uh, if you don't let's say add more weight to the bar or if you don't do more reps or if you don't do anything to make it harder then you will look the same you need to apply progressive overload over time uh, and if we do this the same load we'll just not really be able to progress our physique much so load is something that you should primarily progress in my opinion and a good training split will do so because load is infinitely progressible to an extent. And what I mean by that is you can only do so much sets, whereas you can keep progressing load and load without running into a barrier, without running into a wall of how much sets you can do. Uh, because if you keep adding sets and you're just going to become uh, some person who trains for endurance, you'll do too much sets that you can recover from. So I prim primarily like progressing training through adding load and all training styles you might not do it week to week but from block to block you will need to be getting stronger on your movements and in terms of like rir training failure training or any other method that will that will be the case it doesn't matter if you train reps in reserve or to failure rir as i just went over stands for reps in reserve uh, both work as i said both styles can work in many training styles work but they need to have these fundamentals and the reason why we need to be progressing load is because mechanical tension is the main driver of muscle growth which simply means tension on the muscle load on the muscle is the main driver for muscle growth so we need to increase the tension over time if you don't increase the tension if you lift the same you'll look the same simple as that and in terms of something to be mindful of is when we say or when i say mechanical tension needs to be progressed that's the main driver of muscle growth that's the main cause of it in other words we need to increase the tension on the target muscle we don't need to increase load just on its own because we could increase weight but that doesn't necessarily mean there's more tension on the target muscle for example if your form changes and you've not put more tension on the target muscle you've lifted more and you've lifted in a way that's more efficient so you can lift more not a way that targets the desired muscle better. So be mindful of that. We're aiming to progress the stimulus, not progress the load. But of course, load will progress over time. But that's not what we want to do. It's not just adding load to the bar because 
our muscles don't know if we're lifting 100 kilograms on the bench press or 102.5 or 110. It knows how much load is being placed on it due to the positioning of your joints. So that should stay the same as well as our rep speed on the way down. In terms of the next thing that all effective programs involve, it's appropriate amounts of volume. So enough volume to basically yield results when it comes to your training. And what I mean by volume is volume, uh, I'm referring it to is how much sets and reps you do. And you can't get away with just doing, let's say, one set per exercise. And the reason being is it's just not going to be an appropriate volume to progress long term. You might, let's say if you never trained before and you do one set, then you might make a wee bit of progress if you train ridiculously hard, but it's not really going to put, it's not, it's, it's not effective, put it that way. So we want to basically have an appropriate amount of volume and we want enough that it's effective, but not too much that we can't recover. So something I've touched on before is some someone called Mike Chris Rattel, he's got a theory or not a theory, like a, well, yeah, I'd class it as a theory, where you get minimal effective volume and maximal recoverable volume. You want to be somewhere in between it. You want enough so it's effective, but you don't want too much that you can't recover from your training on a week-to-week basis so that you can still progress long-term uh, because it doesn't just matter what we do session to session or it doesn't just what matter what we're doing in that session it matters what we're doing session to session week to week so we want to be able to progress long-term and not be too fatigued from our training so we don't want to do too much volume that we can't recover too much volume could look like just too much fatigue physical mental tiredness accumulated throughout the weeks or it could look like just then uh, carrying too much soreness going into the next session which could uh, impact performance and also increase injury risk so what i mean by this is doing 100 sets for legs probably too much doing one set for legs probably too little we want to be somewhere in between we want to be doing an appropriate amount so that we uh, can do an effective amount so we're getting a good pump we're getting maybe some soreness not that we need it we're getting uh, feeling a tiredness in that target muscle but by the time we get to our next session we're recovered and we're ready to perform well and progress our sets again that's what we're looking for and i'm not here to tell you how much sets to do because a lot of things will influence that like how often you're training like your training effort uh, and like you let's say your quality of your execution your experience levels i'm not sure if i said that like your lifestyle outside the gym, how active you are in your job, your stress levels, and your consistency with your training, and like uh, your nutrition. And as a result, I can't say, right, do X amount of sets. So that's just not really a feasible thing to say. Uh, but it also depends. Like, so basically, just uh, I've got a episode on like volume as well. So maybe have, give that a listen. And, but basically, we want to do enough so that we're feeling like it's effective and we don't feel like we're under training like if you feel like you can do more and recover from it before the next session do more what don't see any reason why not unless it's like a, already a really 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 strong and dominant body part for yourself so yeah make sure you're doing an appropriate amount of volume next up is fatigue management so as i commented on earlier fatigue is physical and mental tiredness and we can accumulate fatigue through training hard training consistently and the more weight we lift the more fatigue we basically accumulate and fatigue something we want to drop now and then because when we accumulate too much fatigue that will impact our ability to progress because when we are too fatigued 
we can't recruit as much muscle fibers we can't recruit as much motor units which basically means our performance will be poorer as well as that sleep can be disrupted digestion can be poorer our motivation to train will be down uh, injury risk is higher inflammation in the body will be higher all things that are going to have a negative effect on our training but we can avoid fatigue because progressing is fatiguing but we should manage it and it's not as important to manage as a beginner because you can't train as intensely as someone really experienced and you're lifting less so like you're like someone who's lifting let's say 40 kilograms on the deadlift they don't need to deload after six weeks because that's not a substantial amount of weight to accumulate fatigue compared to let's say someone benching 100 kilos they are going to accumulate a lot more fatigue uh, so the stronger you are the more you need to pay attention to it but basically you want to pay attention to mitigating fatigue at, in some form if it's taking like a four to seven days off if it's doing a devolume week if it's just training with less intensity for a week uh, and like i said this might this most likely isn't going to be needed for the majority of the beginners but this is something you'll have to like consider and make sure you put in place over time especially as you get more experienced and in terms of like uh, throughout the training block so throughout your training you don't just want to mitigate fatigue every so often when you need to like back down deload when fatigue's too high you want to be mindful of how much fatigue you're accumulating like i said if you do too much sets you're going to be battered before your next session you're just going to carry too much fatigue so you want to be mindful of like uh, your movement patterns and like what you do in each session because you can't just let's say do 10 sets of deadlift 10 sets of squats 10 sets of leg press then 10 sets of rack pulls 10 sets of hip thrusts Even, regardless if you've got like muscle soreness you won't be able to recover from that from a systemic fatigue point of view from a central nervous system fatigue point of view which is what i'm on about so we need to manage that because that's just going to mean you're going to write yourself off and perform poor in your next session next up effective programs have like movement patterns that are repeated so not that 100% of let's say the movements you need to repeat but I'd say a large percentage you should be repeating because the bread and butter movements the main movements we want to basically get efficient at them and how we do so is repeating them if we don't repeat movement patterns if we don't repeat movements on a week in week out basis we don't get the ability to get efficient at them and get strong at those movements and the reason being is when we basically get efficient with practicing it and if we don't practice it often just like anything else just like any other sport how are we supposed to get the technique right uh, you're gonna feel when you do the movement that you can't balance well that you can't stabilize the weight uh, it just feels foreign you don't know when to stop in terms of your depth you don't know where to put your elbows if you're pressing or pulling uh, it would just be a bit all over the place you can't judge when let's say the machine or bar is going to hit the ground or hit the safeties and it's just going to feel very foreign and unfamiliar and new just like we've started lifting uh, but when we do it week in week out it becomes like brushing our teeth we become very efficient at it we don't really have to think about execution and from there it's a lot easier to progress it and we might argue like but when i do a movement it starts to slow down i don't progress it as fast if i keep repeating it when you first put a movement in it will fly in terms of progressions but it then will slow and that's inevitable 
because the first progressions, the speedy ones, is just getting efficient at the movement pattern. After that, we will still progress, but just at a slower rate. And those progressions, arguably, are going to be more beneficial than adding five kilos on the bar from week one to week two. And the reason being is they're the ones you really have to fight for. They're the ones when you're already at peak strength and you slap more weight on and you match your reps. That's the ones that's building more muscle tissue, in my opinion. Uh, being able to do that and repeating that process, being at peak strength and getting even stronger. Because if you're not at peak strength, if you're just progressing the movement fast because it's new, then that doesn't really yield much reward in terms of muscle growth. And in terms of like uh, why we also want to do it, like I said, we want to be applying progressive overload. So it allows us to track, see if we're actually applying progress, progressive overload on a weekly basis because if we're not doing the movement consistently, we can't see what we are doing. We can't see what we've done last week from like our logbook or whatever. So we can't then look upon it, assess that, and then progress. We're not able to do that if we're not doing the same movement. And we want to be applying progressive overload because it means we can increase the mechanical tension, as I said earlier, and as a result, grow muscle much more effectively. <clears throat> and next up, uh, when when you're a beginner as well, you want to basically repeat movements frequently because you, when you're not skilled at a movement, like I said, you don't perform well. So the more you can repeat it, the more skilled you'll get at a faster rate. Just like when you do a sport, you practice the basics first and do that frequently just to get skilled before doing anything else, really. Next up, we want to ensure our training suits our lifestyle. And this might seem a weird one, you might not expect it, but it should be sustainable and fit into your day-to-day -day life. Everyone's got different commitments, so you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't basically copy Jay Cutler's program or Jay Cutler for those that don't know, he's a, he was a bodybuilder, he's retired now. But uh, I know one point during this contest prep he was training two times a day, weight training and doing two cardio sessions. Someone with uh nine five job two kids and uh like pets probably shouldn't be doing that schedule because they won't be able to sleep well they won't be able to recover from it uh, they can't just sleep in between each meal and have the same low stress levels so you want to basically have something you can stick to uh from a time point of view enjoyment point of view and one that doesn't cause unnecessary fatigue for your ability to recover so when it's sustainable and when it suits your lifestyle, you'll be able to progress because <clears throat> sometimes people are a bit afraid to do less. But if, let's say, you're not recovering from what you're currently doing, then doing that amount's not going to yield you more progress in doing less. When, let's say, I get my clients to do less work for whatever reason, it's not because I want them to get less results. Although you think more sometimes better, it's because I want them to get more results, to be able to recover effectively so they can progress their sets. So you don't want to be causing unnecessary stress and missing workouts frequently. <clears throat> so uh, next up, we want it to suit individual needs. And this is my last point, unless any uh, spring to mind. But basically, as you get more advanced, you have like, um, or it's more of a priority to make sure your training's tailored to your individual needs. Because as a beginner, everything's a weakness. You've got not a lot of muscle everywhere without saying that in a rude manner, but it's true. How can you be like, right, I really need to bring up your biceps when you've got very little muscle throughout your whole body? You need to bring up everywhere, and then you can spot weaknesses. It's hard to really spot weaknesses if you've not got any body parts that are really developed. 
So as, at the beginning, what you basically want to do is just get strong at big movements. And then after years of training, you might then see weaknesses arise. But for the first for the first few years, I'd at least focus on just nailing those basics. And then you will eventually get to a time where you might, might need to give some body parts a bit more attention than others, meaning they might need more volume or they might need more sets and reps. Or, or that is, sorry, that is volume. Yeah, they might need sets and reps. Or they might need, uh, let's say, to be put at the start of the session when you're physical and or physically and mentally fresh so you can put more effort towards them and make the most of your sets a bit more. Uh, or uh, basically any other way that's going to improve the work that you're currently doing. Until then, though, you should be pretty much batter everything as frequent as you can recover from. And what I mean by that is you should... Train every body part as much as you can physically recover from and just repeat that process. And again, prioritize those big lifts. And before, this is not really, not as, well, I'd say this is related, this is a good point actually. When we are wanting to bring up a lagging body part, the first thing we should do is make sure our execution is good. Because if, let's say, let's say you are squatting, and you've got weak quads and you're squatting in a way that doesn't target your quads well. Well, doing more sets of quads or doing more sets of squats, grow your quads. Maybe a wee bit. Will it, would it grow them as well as if you nailed your form to target your quads as best as you possibly could and then add more sets? No, it will definitely not progress more than the second option. Because if you're targeting a muscle poor, Adding more sets is just going to be more pure for or more movements with more sets with pure form. For another example, that's probably a bit better. <clears throat> as if you're targeting your back, your back. Well, when I train my back anyway, I like to split up to focusing on targeting my lats, which is a muscle that goes from your armpit down to the bottom of your spine that flare out, which look like quote unquote wings or whatever. Uh, your lats are one muscle that's kind of hard to target for myself anyway or was i'm getting better at it now and then you've got your upper back which is just all the meat on your upper back if you're doing let's say an exercise trying to target your lats but you're targeting your upper back and then you think oh my lats aren't growing i will add more sets but you're targeting your upper back with your form then adding more sets is only gonna keep growing your upper back and make your upper back more dominant make your lats more of a weakness so the first thing you should always address is your form and that's something that is also very important for a program which effective program should include this Ex executing exercises with good form you could maybe get away without but that doesn't mean it's optimal that's not mean it's effect as effective as doing it with good form you see people get very far with quote unquote good poor form uh, and you can what's most important is effort really and but after that if you want to maximize things in my opinion it's not just about effort it's about effort and matching that with good form because like i said like when you see people who just like train hard with sloppy form usually they have a weakness in their physique unless they're genetically blessed or they can just connect very well with each body part with sloppy form and if you can do that you're probably very lucky but uh, yeah and you're probably going to come across injury, injuries less if you've got good form. You're probably going to get more out of your current sets, in my opinion, and uh, not be sore. 
and have less fatigue and more stimulus from each set. So yeah, that's something else that all or all effective programs involve. I, in my opinion, anyway. And uh, in terms of what is good form, controlling the changes of direction, making sure you're executing the movement to target the desired muscle, making sure you are bracing when you need to, uh, so that you've got the ability to produce more force, things like that, just uh, to run through a few things. And if some, if you're trying to isolate a muscle, keep the other muscles still. For example, if you're trying to train your uh, shoulders during a lateral raise variation, you shouldn't be moving your chest excessively. You shouldn't be flopping back and forward like a fish. <laughs> Same applies if you're doing a leg curl. If you're doing a leg curl and your back's moving a ton, then that's just going to mean your back's being involved during the movement that's going to take away from your legs doing the work, which we don't want because it's a leg curl, not a back curl or a back extension or whatever. You're trying to train your legs, so your legs are the thing that should be moving, if that makes sense. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. If you did, give it a like, share, subscribe, uh, drop a message and let me know what you found valuable to it. And if you want to see any certain episodes or any certain guests on the podcast, uh, then just let me know and hope you think the I hope you like the new podcast cover as well. I thought I'd give it a wee refresh because it was looking a bit, a bit, or it lacked a bit of professionalism with the uh, cover that I made myself on Canva. So yeah, hope you enjoyed the episodes and thanks very much for listening as always.